wow ah ah kilo de kilo de one fine lo fine one dumb or not dying what happened ah ah such a beaut wow check it out yalla yeah On the show, why would you let you be on the show? Anyone can call to the okay, show. You need to go but somewhere, anyone. It's not about time. Hey, Auntie, who asked you to enter this conversation? It's a dialogue that elicits emotion, sparks a reaction, and forces you to take action. It's the what the heck went rants. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the what the heck went rants. I do this for real as always, reporting to do my duty on the microphone, and I got one question and one question only. What's that? Take a moment to censor yourself and ask yourself that all-important question. How are you doing? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you glad? Are you happy to be alive? Are you thankful? Are you blessed? Welcome to another edition of the What The Heck Man Rants. It's about to be a fun time. If you're listening to the show alone, you're doing it wrong. Tell a friend to tell another friend to tell their ex-boyfriend soon to be divorced husband, sister's wife that the rant show is live. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have some fun tonight. I legit feel like every other week, Laulu's in another like state or like another part of Texas or something. Like you're everywhere. But, but I feel like I'm always I'm always working there though. That's the thing. So it's enough. never really complete fun. Fair like it's never like a complete like I can't I don't think I've actually this entire year I was actually talking about it with my family and I haven't really this entire year just had like two days where I was just like, I'm not gonna work at all. Like I'm just going to be here and I'm just not gonna work at all. Ever since time tells me like, oh I could be doing this here or oh maybe I'm gonna need this later or and it's just like in my head I'm like, no, but I'm chilling. I'm not working, but really I still am. And I'm be I'm trying to like resonate the fact that rest is also work and like how that plays into each other. So um that's my level of adult. I just right I just now. wanna say the next time you wanna take a break, um just take me with you. Like, Maybe I'll make sure you. I'll make sure we don't do anything. People that have gone oh, on vacation, nah, people, people that have gone oh. on vacations with me. First of all, don't 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 do that. Don't put my business out. They don't know that. They don't know that just yet. We gotta um, give a little preview. A nah, little preview. But, but yeah, my thirtieth birthday is in January. Um, we're gonna be on a little island somewhere away from Corona various. Um, but <laughs> but um. Yeah, I think I have two different types of vacations. I have the ones that you go on where, like, you want to go see the city, like, you, you want to go see architecture and art, and then there's somewhere I'm just like, I'm just going to sleep. Like, you know, <laughs> bring me my food to my room, and I'm going to sleep. That's, like, that's that's, that's all. It. Don't ask me to do anything else. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm glad you had a good weekend. I'm glad you... Um, yeah. It was great. It was and I'm glad, like you, you missed. Huh? What'd you say? I had the best pasta of my life in Cali. I was like, I should have known. Wait, 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 wait. Was it? Was it by? Was it on Venice Beach? Yeah. Was it OC? Yeah. Oh my God! First of all, like... you're welcome because I know how you got that recommendation. You're welcome. How? That's but, actually not how I got the whatever. recommendation. Um, but not, that place is top it. notch. Yep. Like. <laughs> I would go back there. I need to send you the video of my meal at that place because, like, the bowl was so big, and I just kept like stuffing my face. 
and now I, they had no they let had... me tell you my favorite part so the guy comes over he's like he's like you know what's that thing called he's like grating the cheese tell right? me when. and he's yeah. like tell me when and i'm like and he's like <laughs> he's like are you and sure then this they start is... looking at you or you're just like I was like, keep it's going, keep it going. <laughs> but um, nah, that was that was definitely that, that spot is is. I need to go back to LA. That's man. legit. I need to go back to LA. And now they have like unlimited garlic bread, so they just keep on bringing garlic bread to you. Yo, I was I was. Amazing. I don't I don't need that. That would be bad. Nah, that um, was But tripping. I did want to ask. Um, so on today's show we have two special guests. Um, our very first guest is joining us. Um, and he, you can see he's been sipping his tea. I feel like, is that like a therapist thing? Like, just like, you know, he's, and writing. Like, I saw him writing. Like, 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 tea and writing. He even has, he has, a chin, he has a chin hand where you're telling your, you know, your, your experience. You're pulling out all the stereotypes. <laughs> and every time he just looks down and writes, I'm like, okay, what did I say? Let me think about this. <laughs> what did I say? Okay. Well, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell our, our listeners um, who you are, what you do, and where you're joining us from tonight. Sure. Thanks for having me. My name is Gordon Hakeem Collier. I'm a therapist in the Albany, New York area. Um, I started my own practice about two years ago it's, uh, called Beyond Living. And uh, I'm happy to be here to have a conversation around therapy and mental health. I think it's important for our community to have the conversation and have the dialogue because so often we don't have the conversation. So uh, I'm excited to be here and just, you know, join in. Awesome. Thank you for being here. We're super glad. Um, and shout out to you because he was he is on here in the shortest of notices. So shout out to you for being a real MVP. We appreciate it. Um, so op- two opening questions, right? Um, they're not serious questions. You don't have to think deeply about that. <laughs> the first one is... When you are about to microwave your food, do you go with one minute or do you go with 59 seconds? One minute. <laughs> like a normal person. Thank Wait, you. there are people that- who actually press 60 <laughs> seconds. This is an important question, okay? There's a lot that you can tell. I'm not kidding. There's, there's nothing you can tell about that. Um, okay, so second question is if... What is the one meal that you have that you absolutely have no portion control? You're just going to binge until you can't eat anymore. Mm. Hmm. That's a good question. I would have to say I'm, I'm torn between chicken Parmesan mm. and then my mother's macaroni and cheese. <sighs> Solid choices. So, so the next question I'm going to ask is, what are the Thanksgiving plans? Because I'm going to need to so, bring it to your house. Because <laughs> that's just like... the plans are assisting. You know, usually it's like the entire family, but New York State we have restrictions when it comes to COVID, and right. we actually lost my aunt to COVID nineteen. So we're kind of super aware and you know kind of cautious. Uh, thank you. So we usually the whole family gets together, but now we're just kind of getting together with our immediate family. So I'm um, going over to my sisters to see my nieces and nephew and spend time with my mom. And so we're all just kind of bringing things together and just making it happen. Yeah. Well, 
So again, sorry about that. Um, I think it's actually very like. It's a. Li- I think we realize sort of the impact that the world has gone through when you hear personal stories. I think we see these numbers, um, and a lot of times like it's very like far removed and like no like you're like I don't know anybody in my immediate network, um, but then when you hear that that's like real for like a lot of people, um. Thank you for sharing that with us, and you know, uh, obviously, our thoughts and our hearts are with you and your family. Um, Thank we you. appreciate that. Um, you can see Sendo over there snuggling. What are you snuggling like that for? <laughs> My hoodie. It's cold. <laughs> um, so Sendo is the is the third piece of our shady trinity. Um, <laughs> Lao Lu came up with that name, not me. That that was right. Um, but <laughs> but thank you so much for kicking it with us today. So, I guess just to get us started, right? Kind of like what I was saying earlier. Like, I'm in conversations. I don't know if you guys have heard about like, um, the Clubhouse app. Um, like we're in there. People are talking about oh, when I start therapy, when I go to therapy, when I do this, when I do that, and it's like we're all pretty, still pretty fucked up. If like all of us in therapy for, for people that are all in therapy at the same time. Um, but then it gets you thinking, I guess, like, from your perspective, like, from your professional perspective, like, what would you say is the biggest, like, deterrent for folks that are, like, interested in going into therapy but, like, just can't cross that line? What would you say is that, like, is the thing they share with you as, like, oh, I want to do it, but, like, this is stopping me? Well, I think uh, your sim- your sentiments right there around we're all fucked up. <laughs> I think <there laughs> I think there's a stigma when it comes to therapy right. that something has to be wrong with you in order mm. for you to engage with a therapist, and that's not actually true. Right. Um, actually, when I, I find most of the aha moments or those grand moments where it's just like life changing and you shift, you know, because your perspective shifts. Um, it's really when you don't have anything going on. Like there's nothing wrong. There's no presenting problem. It's more of, you know what, I'm out here. I just need to talk. I need to talk some things through. Um, and then you realize something in that, in that moment, because a lot of times when we remove that stigma, we're just human, right? We're just experiencing life with what we have. And right. so um, it's in, for me, it's important to reduce that stigma and really have good conversations around what therapy actually is. And and for, like, let's assume that we have, like, folks that are, like, you know, hearing the word for the first time. Like, how would you describe therapy to, like, the most beginner level type person that's, like, trying to explore this? So I would explain it in a way where you're already on, I won't say that, you're you're on your healing journey if you're choosing and you're thinking about therapy, right? You're on your healing journey. You're, you're entertaining the thought of um, moving past where you are. And for me, therapy is talking to someone who has either experience or um, has learned and studied this type of how the mind works and how life works. And they're just adding value to your journey. Right. It's not necessarily saying, again, something's wrong with you, but um, we're just two travelers on your journey. And I'm one, I have a different perspective. I have an objective view. Mm. I can talk, I can hear and talk to you about your parents and there's no shade to it, right? There's no judgment because I don't know them. 
but I'm coming from a, a, an objective view to add a different perspective. Right, right. And I think that's pretty, that's pretty dope, actually. And I think that's a good way for us as, like, non-professionals to communicate it to people who are interested in it. Because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to just, like, go and spill my stories to someone or to some random person. And it's like being able to communicate to someone that is you sort of helping, like, kind of joining their journey, but from a different perspective or looking at it from a different lens um i think that actually might go over well with better with like a lot of people um because like folks some folks are like hesitant because they're like i don't know like i don't know what this person's gonna think of me i don't know how this is gonna be read or whatever um so i think that's actually a pretty cool cool way to, to you know explain that to someone um so let's 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 like walk it back a little bit like if you're talking to people, like, let's say, you know, oh, Sandra, you had a question? Yeah, can you hear me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. okay. There's a running no. joke as to why she always has her microphone five feet away from her. And then she's like, can you guys hear me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait, wait. Is it loud enough? Let me know. We I can hear you hear just fine. <laughs> Perfect. I wanted to add, um, just like in regards to just like, why people are usually very hesitant. I, I want to say from like, I want an African perspective, particularly. Um, it's usually for me personally, and for a lot of my friends, it's usually because that cultural competency, like you wouldn't really understand where I'm coming from. So I have like, quote unquote, daddy issues. You know, I'm terrified of my dad. You know, I can't go and, you know, sit down and like have that. That's not the relationship we have. And it's difficult going to somebody that just says, well, just talk to him. You know, it's like, I can't just go and talk to my dad. So I think a, a big aspect and component there for honestly immigrants particularly it's just like that cultural competency and just being able to navigate that so i feel like that's why immigrants particularly would be hesitant and you know with other practice of just like going to see you know therapists yeah no you're absolutely right i think i like to challenge other therapists when i'm doing trainings around that that word cultural competence because there's no way we can be competent in someone else's culture so I like to say cultural humility or cultural sensitivity because now I'm approaching it with questions. Like, how does it, I would approach it with that particular example around the fear, not necessarily the relationship just yet, but around the fear. And if we can sort through and unpack why that fear is there, then maybe we can um, uh, have some level of empowerment or um, some courage to have a different conversation, not a conversation where it's confrontation, because we know that's not going to happen. That's not going to be uh, advantageous for the relationship. But how do we keep the relationship intact, but still give you that self-empowerment to really have a conversation that's going to be conducive to you and your relationship and your father? Yeah. But you're absolutely right. I think that's, that's one thing when it comes to therapy is you have to have the one that you have a uh, you feel trustful with like you have a good relationship with because my perspective is it's more about the relationship than any intervention or any theory that the therapist brings up to you if i trust my therapist and i have a good rapport and i actually want to have a conversation and i they get like they'll ask me questions they get 
the dynamic of my family, they get, you know, all these things, then I think we, we can go a lot further in my journey. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that, that was powerful. Yeah, that, that's... <sighs> It's like I need to go and call my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, so so I guess um, what would you like us to call you actually? Because I think do you want to do you go by like Hakeem or do you go by? Jared? Yeah, Hakeem like, is fine. Um, okay. usually in the like the therapy world, it's Gordon, but Hakeem is fine. We're just we're just having a conversation. Okay, it's great. Totally. Um, awesome. So I guess let's walk let's walk it a little. Bit back, right? Let's talk about like why you got into, you know, therapy to begin with, right? Because, um, I think that it sort of informs a little, give like colors in the lines a little bit more to give people a, sort of a insight into how you became a therapist. Um, because I know, I know some of us like you know we took psychology classes in undergrad, and our parents were like, "Are you going to be a therapist?" Are you going to be a psychiatrist? It's like, that's not how that works. Um, but, like, kind of walk us through your journey. Like, how did you end up being a therapist? Like, how did you, or did you know, or did you just kind of fall into it? How did that go? So, I, uh, in undergrad, I started out as a business major. Um, I wasn't even thinking about social work. So, my degree is in social work, both mm-hmm. my undergrad and my master's. Um, so, I wasn't even thinking about social work or counseling. So, I started out business, but I got a D in a math class, and I was like, yeah, this isn't it. So, <laughs> I had to figure out something quickly, and it was my sophomore year. And if you know, like, timeline in college, it, no one tells you that it, there's a timeline, but there's a timeline. Right. So, um, my roommate was a social work major, and I, so I met with the social work department and had to take two classes. Um, to kind of get an idea if I wanted to do this. And so one of the classes was counseling. And it was like a breeze. Like it was easy. It it came easy to me. It came Mm -hmm, natural to mm me. Um, And most therapists will tell you like um, in high school and middle school, you was always that person that, you know, I was always that person that you can come to and talk to and vent to. And you just had this calming presence. And so um, talking to the social work department and taking a counseling class. I was like, oh, let me explore this. But social work doesn't necessarily mean that that's where you're gonna go. Social work is, is a wide profession. So I didn't start out with therapy. I started, I did the class, I liked it, I enjoyed it. And I went down case management route for substance use. Uh-huh. And so in substance use, when I got a job, I had to do group therapy. And group therapy, I loved it. And so. I kind of just continued the path of therapy and mental health and substance use. And it just kind of unfolded in a way where I'm here. Um, I was working in a a outpatient um, clinic with folks who had HIV and I was the mental health case manager. So I did some supportive counseling and then um, my main role was to really help connect to the mental health therapist. So someone was, expressing depression to their doctor, I kind of helped connect them to a therapist or a psychiatrist. But in that, I realized that the mental health system by itself was like systematically broken and oppressive. And so um, I kind of shifted gears and worked on like systems when it came to healthcare. But then I started my own practice because I knew that access to care was challenging for people that look like me. Mm. And so I wanted to, one, help with access to language, but then also have access to actual, have 
actual therapists of good quality. Um, so yeah, that's how the journey kind of, that's a short, short version of how I kind of got into this. Awesome. Thank you so much for walking us through that. Um, one quick question though, that I think <clears throat> would be good for folks that are not familiar with like what it takes to become a therapist. Like how many hours do you have to go through for licensing before you like? So it all depends for social work. It depends on the state and all these things. So in New York state, um, after you get your master's, you can get your license like right after you graduate. And in your license, you have to have a certain amount of years before you, uh, what they call. So uh, let me break it down. After your master's, you get your LMSW. That's a licensed master social worker. You can um, stay in a, like a hospital setting or somewhere mm-hmm. else, and you need three years in order for you to get your clinical license with supervision and take another exam. Mm-hmm. So you need three years. And then if you want to be a part of insurance panels, you need an additional three years. So after graduation, it's a total, if you like start with the ground running, it's like six years before you can like get uh, your LCSW-R, which it means reimbursable through insurance companies. Um, I did a, a different route. I have my own practice as an LMSW, but uh, I'm counting my hours um, so I can get my C. If I want my C, I'm not really sure yet because of sy- systemic oppression. Um, but <laughs> if I want to do that, then I need certain amount of hours and supervision. But I can do this um, because I'm not on any insurance panel. So it's all self-pay. I do a sliding scale for folks um, because of the access to care conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much for for that as well. Um, and I asked that specifically because um, I think, particularly in the African community, there's a little bit more of a stigma around therapy and therapists, right? But <laughs> in every major sort of field when it comes to working with people like, you know, psychologically, emotionally, everyone sort of has to go through a lengthy process of like vetting, almost like learning, but also vetting you and like getting you ready to like take that on for other people. And I think that when African parents hear like therapists, they're like, like, what did they do? <laughs> like they're not they're not compared to a doctor um or an engineer say that again Sandra? Always, they're gonna put something in your head and like <laughs> they genuinely don't believe in therapy at all and and, and i think it's, it's it's really difficult so like that's one of the reasons why i wanted to say that is like for our listeners as well um to kind of get an understanding of what it takes like that you know uh, an engineering major goes to school they finish their <laughs> bachelor's degree and they're they get a job as an engineer and they considered an engineer of course like a seniority and they build that up but like for like things in social work you know you have to actually do the work for you to get like you know accredited and licensed to be able to like help other people um especially and i think the other thing is like and i, I guess maybe you could speak to this as well is like you know oftentimes with the stereotypes when people think about therapists they think about people that are much older and like how do you how do you deal with that how do you deal with that like in in in, you know when you're working with people who are like you don't know nothing like (laughs) um i used to get that a lot working in at the substance use clinic um 
but I, 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 and they didn't hold any, anything back. They would tell you like, <laughs> you young person, you, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't have kids, you don't have this, you don't have that. But my approach is that I have, I still have emotions. I still have mm. experience that calls for empathy. I don't need to have uh, your exact life experience because where would that happen? But I have a level of empathy. And if I can't connect, I, I'm going to ask more questions for me to connect. Mm. I think empathy is the key ingredient when it comes to having that therapeutic alliance, having that relationship. Because even though I don't know or I don't have kids, I can still relate on some level um, being a child, right? Or or um, having parents, I might approach it from that lens, but it adds value to your conversation because you it gets your wheels going um, in a different way. Uh, nah, actually, <laughs> I think, um, nah, I think that's actually like, there's so much value in that. So I think just to give people like, I guess added color as well. So my very first job outside of high, uh, college was, at a mental health agency working with children um, that were at risk, um, and in California, like they get, they you get in trouble so much trouble by like state standards, um, and after a while, they like start making plans to remove the child from the home, and um, so we were considered like the find like the last resort. Like if we couldn't help the family to figure it out, like that kid was getting taken out. Um, either into foster care or into like depending on like how severe it was like into a locked facility in some cases um and california stopped lock- locked facilities a few years ago maybe like 10 or so years ago so they would actually ship the kid to another state like utah or something and like have them in there for a year or you know in an all boys or all girls facility and i remember like when i started working with these families like of course i had an interest in that like you have to have a lot of empathy but like i would walk into homes and parents would be like you don't know nothing like i have kids that are like older than you you know i was where i particularly remember working with a grandma um who had a had a, a grandson that was one of my clients and he was 15 at the time and i remember one day i was talking to her about like his triggers and like you know how she could respond and she was like man i churned out eight kids like you know i, don't... <laughs> I was, just, I was like trying to help um you know and i think that um being able to break that down sort of a little bit of those like stereotypes or like those barriers that hinder us from getting the help that we need um definitely is going to take us a long way to like what we actually like to the improvement or to the you know the growth that we're looking for um and sometimes coming we sometimes we're coming with those preconceived notions go ahead sendo what's a lock facility i tried googling i didn't really get what's a lock uh facility? it's like a jail light basically <laughs> That's literally what I called it. Like they had to buzz me in every time I went there and like they would they were like just a description. So the kids are in rooms, like you would have one of the issues that we had in California reasons California stopped it is the places looked like prisons. Like mm-hmm. the kids would be in bunk beds, um, you know, only allowed to come out for certain things at certain times of the day. Um and they couldn't see their parents. So they were away from their family for 
a stretch of time. So it could be six months, it could be a year, it could be a year and a half, depending on whatever the recommendation from the state um, social worker was. Um, yeah, and in some cases, they would take these kids, like I had a client that I remember, they took him in the middle of the night because like, they knew he was going to put up a fight. So they came and, no, I kid you not, it was <laughs> it was two giant men. Behavioral, behavioral huh? issues. Kids with behavioral what? issues. Kids with behavioral issues. Yeah. I mean, this particular kid was, you know, physically violent, property damage, that kind of stuff. Like, there was some arson stuff. Like, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I think for me, one of the things into, you know, sort of to bring it back to you, Hakeem, was that was actually when I started going to therapy. Because <laughs> there were days that I would be driving home and I would just, like, start crying. Like, in the middle of traffic, like what the hell did I just go through today? Like, what is this? Like, and you know, like you're, you're supporting kids and you add all the different layers of like police brutality. Um, you know, I had a, a client once that we called the police and before we could even tell them what his issue was, their guns were drawn. And it was like, no, like he, he has mental health needs. Like this is not, you know, just start shooting. And I think, if you were talking to folks that you know you've you've seen in your sort of experience, like what would you say are some of the, like the pros of like going through therapy? Because like for some people, like you can't we can't put our hands on it immediately, right? Like it's like a it's a journey. It's it's it takes a while for you to figure out what your thing is. So like, what would you say overall, like in your experience, you've seen as like these are some of the pros people have said of like seeing a therapist. So before I get into it, I want to kind of normalize your experience of like driving home and feeling that because yeah. I think that's a, that's a normal, that's a normal reaction when it comes to work being in the field, but also us watching the news and watching social media, what that's called is vicarious trauma. Yeah. I didn't have the experience, but I, I felt that. Right. And so when it came to George Floyd, watching that and looking at everything on social media, people felt that, right? Yeah. We, we, folks cried, folks called out of work, folks, literally there's scientific proof and data that shows amongst the black community, amongst black and brown people, depression went up, mm -hmm. anxiety went up. So that's called vicarious trauma. So I just wanted to normalize, like we, we take that on and we feel that, especially because we have access to the internet. You see videos, Half the time, we, we just kind of scroll in and stumble upon it. We didn't mean to watch that. But um, that's why it's so important to take time to step away from that, that practice self-care. And so kind of segue into the pros of therapy is to talk about that emotional experience. We don't have um, spaces where we can practice vulnerability. Vulnerability is not a word, it's not a, a hot topic or a buzzword amongst our community. And mm -hmm. so practicing vulnerability to be seen and to be heard is important because otherwise we're walking around with these various walls, depending on who we're with, we, we have different costumes, we show up in the world a different way and that's exhausting. And so if I can be in a space where I can just be and exist and not be judged and talk about my emotional experience with some things, process those emotions, then I can, I can move on. I can, let go of things. I can let go of relationships. I can accept certain things as true and reality and just kind of move through life with a little lighter, you know, like 
everybody to me, in my experience, wants to be seen, right? I, I just want to be my authentic self. I want you to love me. I want you to trust me. I want to build a relationship and I want you to see me and I want to see you and I want to be heard. And so having a therapist creates that space for that. Um, before I turn it over to Laulu and Sendo, um, for our listeners and those of you that are in the chat, um, if you have any questions, go ahead and, um, raise your hand or type them in the chat and, um, we'll ask, um, Hakeem for, and if you want to talk to him directly as well, just let us, let me know. Um, Laulu, Sendo, just wanted to pause there and give you guys like space. Do you want to go Laulu? Is that the one? What was that? No, she was saying, did you want it to go? Oh. Wait, wait. Wait a second. Did you just get AirPods? Oh, no. These are, I have had these for a minute. I just uh, never wore them. I thought you were trying to yeah. stun us. Today. Shout out to Best Buy. No, I, was, I wasn't going to stun you. If I was going to stun you, you would know. You would not question it. Anyway. But I guess my question is like going back, I actually have a question going back to what you mentioned earlier about relationships and how it's important to build that relationship with your therapist. What does that mean for people who at this time can only afford things like the one-time texting therapy services, like Talkspace, for instance? So like, how do you build those relationships? Because you still have to pay for those things or sometimes they're free, but you don't get the same therapist again. How can you make the best out of those type of situations? Great question. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I'm not too, I'm not all familiar or versed in uh, better therapy or talk space. I, I really don't know the mechanics of it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I would say use that as a space where you just, you jump in, right? I think when you're with a therapist, you have that time to ask questions and build and um, to take advantage of that time. But if it's like, talk space where you have a therapist is it you're not with the same therapist every single time no you're nope. not so it's like if something nope. is going on or you feel like you need to talk to someone you text them they connect you with a the therapist and you have sort of like a one-time therapy session ish like a mediation basically so then i would use it as that i would use it as mm. a very hot spot pointed i'm going through something i need advice or i need help and then pretty much manage those expectations and kind of go from there. It's different when you have a consistent therapist because um, they'll be able to hear what you're not saying. If I have a relationship with you, you'll pick up on my, my body language or you'll pick up on certain nuances that I've never said. And then you'll be able to ask me questions or I, I ask questions to further the conversation and to go a little deeper into something that you never thought about or to ask a question that allows us to go um, deeper into the, the emotional experience. But if it's, if it's like a one-off, you, you might not get that every single time because you didn't have time to cultivate that relationship and be seen. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So really just use it as a mediation instead of a continuous relationship service. And what would you say so what would you say for people who really cannot afford therapy? Because unfortunately we live in the US, it's just quite trash and therapy is not covered by every single place or insurance company or where you work. So what are the say, what are the ways that you can still, I guess, have that mental health exercise and that mental health exercise for you, even when you cannot afford it? 
So I would encourage folks to look and ask questions about self-pay because insurance companies, they, everybody's not on an insurance panel. Like I'm not on an insurance panel where you can just pay a copay and then your insurance will pay mm-hmm. the rest. I, I'm mm-hmm. not on that. So what I do is I have a, a, a sliding scale and I work with people. Other therapists, I encourage other, other therapists to do that um, because it's a matter of access to care especially when it comes to people who look like us. Affordability is a big barrier Mm -hmm. when it comes Mm -hmm. to engaging in quality care. And so asking questions about a a sliding scale, if they have it, um, ask if they don't, then can you get it? Like, can you do it? (laughs) Um, If you really like want to work with that therapist, because there are other therapists who have that component attached to it. Like they should, if not. Um, But then there are other programs where, um, you can work with uh, a nonprofit and they have therapy where you don't have to pay for it. Um, there are others who uh, do donations to therapists, through, to therapists. So I was a part of um, Black Mental Health Matters. Uh, there was an agency uh, from out in California. They gave me a do- donation. I want to go over to, the, the lateness. Uh, they asked for... Hold on, lost my train of thought. They gave me a donation to work with people um, on a sliding scale. So to reduce whatever I actually, what my my sliding scale is, to reduce it even more or to allow somebody to go for free until they can afford it. Um, And so there are programs out there. You You might not do the research, but other therapists can do the research or there, there are things to make affordability less of a barrier. And if not, then work with someone with uh, like on a sliding scale um, and attach it to your budget. Go once a month. You don't have to go every every week or every other week. Go once a month as like a check in and then maximize that time. So I maximize. We're talking about tools that I can do throughout the month, whether it's journaling, whether it's um, reading a a self-help book. And then when we get together, we just like catching it up and chopping it up and talking about what we need to unpack and what else I need to go work on throughout this month because affordability is a problem. So instead of, if they're like, my sliding scale starts at a hundred dollars to 150. Okay. So I'm going to set aside somehow, some way, because my mental health is important. If we look at our physical health, just as if we look at our mental health, just like we look at our physical health, we would take a different approach to it. Mm-hmm. Actually, well, Lala, that was a great, those, those are great questions. And I think, um <clears throat> particularly calling out that piece about affordability because it is probably the biggest thing i hear from you know black people that we just can't afford it like i want to but i can't you know and we can go into the the different you know oppressive um you know systems or entities that the that 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 sort of a president in the country that we live in that from everything from access to care, access to food, access to good education. Um, so you hear people like almost like in their hierarchy of needs, like low, like significantly like discredit their mental health. Um, because for them, it's like my physiological needs are more important. Like my kids need to you know, do this. They need to put, have clothes on. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. Um there are some people who, through intention or by accident, um, have been exposed to 
either their triggers or the trauma that they've been through growing up that's affecting their relationships, um, affecting their approach to work, their self-care, self-love. Um, I guess in the, in the question is kind of layered in the sense that when people figure that out, right? I know certain people, and I'll speak for myself, I add myself to that list. I've seen situations where I don't necessarily want to do certain things because of the trauma that I've experienced. And I give you a good example of like watching my parents dynamic, right? Everybody else watches my parents and thinks they're awesome. <laughs> they're great. And I'm like, <laughs> I think they are too, honestly. But like there are pieces of it that I'm like, mm, you know, gives me a cause for pause. Um, how do you start to encourage folks to like take that leap? I think, and I think that like, it's a, and I say it's layered because obviously this answer is not the same for everyone. Um, but like f- to the point where it's like crippling someone from doing something, like whether that's like finding love, you know, taking a job, um, dealing with imposter syndrome, like it kind of man- trauma manifests itself in different ways in, in, in different people. Right. But like, for someone like sitting across from you saying, Hey, this is like what I've been through. Like, what are those like tips that you kind of pass out to this person to say, Hey, like, here's where we start. Uh, that's a, um, (laughs) a large question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, especially because trauma can, can vary and look and manifest differently. So if I'm talking to someone, uh, about trauma, I think my, I, and they're looking to like move past it. Is is that your question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would, I would bring in and tie in safety and security because mm. in some way, shape or form that safety and that sense of security had an impact. Um, and so what do you need in order for us to feel more safe and feel secure in order for us to move past it? That's like a, a foundation. Sometimes that safety and that security may may not be there, and so we want to um, manage life without those those triggers and move and understand those triggers, and you know, be able to you know um, move through life with understanding and knowing that managing our expectations. But when it comes to safety and security, that looks different for everybody. That looks like having and setting boundaries with people. Um, and those those healthy boundaries of saying like, actually, I'm good. No, I don't. I don't want that relationship. I don't need that relationship. Right. And that being okay. Um, others look like taking that risk and putting in understanding and putting yourself in a vulnerable state to build that safety and that security. Um, understanding like that's my intention is to right. build that and to to go back into whatever it is. Um, hopefully that answers your question. No, it does. It does. Um, Sandra, like you had something. Yeah. Um, I think so as, as you were talking about, like also like relationship, um, but we talked about like vicarious trauma and I think as a therapist, um, that's something I would imagine you, you go through because like hearing these people's stories and I can't even imagine how heavy some things are. How do you personally deal with that? Like how, do you have a therapist or, you know, how do you try to, you know, cause I, I, I don't, 
I don't, I don't know what I personally, what I would do if I'm, you know, I hear all these stories and cause I'm always that type of person. I want to help. I want to do something, you know, but how do you deal with that? Yeah. An excellent question. I think, um, I think it before I didn't have a good handle on it. So I, it impacted my sleep. It impacted my other relationships. It, it impacted so many other areas in my life that I didn't consciously know that it was impacting. Right. Um, but practicing self-care is huge. Um, knowing that I need time away, then that's fine. Um, I do have a therapist. Um, we actually incur in school, they encourage you to have a therapist. So you one, you know what it feels like to sit in the seat. Um, but also you need to process your own shit too. Right? <laughs> you can't be a, a therapist and I'm thinking of like, oh, this is a trigger to me and oh, this is a trigger to me. And so it's actually more about me than it is about you. Yeah. And so having tools, um, having a space where I can unpack my own stuff, understanding that this doesn't belong to me. This is, I'm just holding space for you. And this is your journey. This is not my journey. Um, having that understanding and that, that agency helps me when I walk out of my office and leave it there. It's not, it's not my journey. It's not mine to own. I'm just someone that's a part of it. Um, but I have my own tools of processing my own emotions. So if something does, if I do walk away with something, um, journaling is my, my go-to, uh, how to process my own emotions. I think COVID-19 and the, the pandemic and all the things that are happening in 2020, like I'm experiencing just, I'm experiencing them as well as the people I'm working with. Right. And so how do I create that space but also have a level of transparency that, yeah, I'm going through this too. And this is what I'm doing to work on it. Not making it about me, but knowing that we're all going through this. I can't be the person that's like trying to sit up here and act as if everything, if I'm not bothered or phased by 2020, that's not the truth. So I need to put into, I need to practice what I'm preaching. essentially is what I'm saying. Right. I I think um, one question that I had, though, was like, you are, I mean, I'm, I don't want to assume, but you identify as a black man, right, in, in America. So you're a black man in America dealing with 2020. Let's just leave it at that, like, just, just that line, right? Like, if we were to pick any window in this, like, you know, I'd probably say, like, maybe the last three weeks. It's probably the lightest it's been. And it's only because the election was happening. Like, and even then, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, almost like every news, like, station was, like, talking about the election. So I'm pretty sure that's, like, stuff that was happening. But, like, nobody was, like, really talking about it, which is, like, half of our problems anyways, because nobody wants to talk about black people issues. Um, But, like, how did you manage that window? Like, therapist aside for a second, like, you as a black man... I know what I felt. I think I watched the George Floyd video to like four minutes before I like started to cry. <laughs> and I was like, I knew anything is I was trying to like, I was like, oh, nah, he's going to get up. He's going to get up. He's going to get off him. He's going to get off him. I was like, oh, shit, he's not getting up. He's not getting up. Um, But like, how did you like, how have you like, if you take stock and one of the things that we're doing, um, and we do this episode every year, we do a thankful episode uh, where we have our listeners like send us voice notes about like their year and what they're thankful for, and it's supposed to be next week. And 
you know, sometimes just sitting down and thinking about like, this year has just been a lot. And I was telling someone that I think 2020 is like, like standing, like being a little kid watching like the older, like adults, like have conversation, like, and the drama is unfolding. Like there's like a shot from every corner. And you don't know it, like where it's going to land. And it's like 2020 has just been like pandemic, you know, out of jobs, people are dying, there's rioting, there's looting, there's accusations that it's only black people that are fucking up the whole world. Like, it's just all of these things. And, like, within that, you have to be the rock for some people. Like, how did you manage that? How have you managed that so far? For me, it's understanding what I need in a particular moment. So, and I I talked about this in the height. Because during like March, April, May, everybody was like, therapist, therapist, let's, <laughs> let's have them on, let's talk, let's do this, let's do this. Um, and so I really highlighted that a part of this is grief and loss, right? Mm. Uh, I'm grieving the fact that I can't travel. Like I usually go somewhere every year, faithfully. I had two weddings that I was going to, both of them was in Cancun. Like I, there was just certain things and that I just expected, but that's a loss. That's a, that's a, there's a grieving process because I can't do that. Not only can't, I can't do that. I can't spend time with my friends. I can't do. So I looked at it from an angle of grief and loss, but then also looking at it from a lens of what do I need in this moment, taking it day by day. And so on whatever, whatever day it is, what do I need? If I'm feeling a little more depressed than usual, do I need to connect to my friends in a very unique way? Then I'm going to do that. I'm going to schedule what we call like the um, the virtual happy hours. I need one of these. I need it. Let's do it Friday. I need to see y'all faces. Let's just laugh it up because this is what I need. If I'm experiencing anxiety, okay, I need to take some days off um, from social media and the news. So you brought up the election that week. I was off social media, every platform, and did not touch the news. I sat and watched Think Like a Man and the Parkers and just laughed. See, it's like, <laughs> after work, every night, that's what I did because I did not, I didn't have the energy or the space to watch the news and just people talking about the same thing over and over and over. Like, I know what this is. And I didn't watch the, the video um, of George Floyd because I knew that that was going to trigger me. Too much history has gone on for me to know what this is, what this is about. Right. Um, and so how do I stay connected to support those that I love and those that I, you know, I'm working with, but at the same time, I'm not going to put myself in a position knowing that that's going to harm me. And so having that understanding, I have to make conscious decisions about what I need. Do you find it's like easier or harder to help folks like hold their boundaries that you set together like because i find that like i find a lot of people and i and i and in my personal life i've seen people say oh my god my therapist is gonna roll her eyes when she hears this and it's like (laughs) and it's like you guys like sit down and you work on things together and then like this person comes back the week after and like then do it (laughs) like 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 how does that how do you guys like manage that (laughs) like I think that's a part of the, the journey, right? Everybody's trying to, everybody at one point in their life has tried to make a change. Mm. Change isn't easy. So I love bringing in the five stages of change and understanding that everybody's on their journey. 
I can't judge you for not do, putting in the step that we talked about. Right. We're not there yet. And that's totally fine. So now my next question is, okay, so what do we need in order for you to get there to make that step? Right. Right. Uh, relapse, old behaviors, all of that is a part of the journey. And understanding that makes reality reality. Like right. if I'm trying to, I love talking about relationships and having the ex or having somebody, uh, um, a situation ship that you know you're not supposed to be talking to this person because it's not going nowhere. Like <laughs> something about that. <laughs> Drag them. Drag them. Wait, Lalu. Wait a minute, Lalu. What do I do? I am happily single. <laughs> I think talking about relationships put things into perspective because they just serve as a mirror to what's really going on with us. Right. So. If we're talking about a relationship, a situationship that you know you're not supposed to, you know that you don't want this to go anywhere, but it's, it's fun. The attention is there. You know, you might feel a little lonely. So let's talk about those emotions and how you we can- You will not be my therapist. I will say that right now. <laughs> you just get dragged. Do not need, you know? I don't need these truth serums every, no. <laughs> But let's let's talk about this, this, those stages of change. Like, okay, so we're not ready. So let's let's manage our expectations. If it's just for attention, let it be for attention. If it's when I feel lonely, let it be for when it's when I'm lonely. But understanding that I'm not supposed to sit here forever. And mm. so, what are we doing to move past and help get that get um, address that loneliness or address right. that attention? attention seeking or whatever it is we're not i'm not here to judge you for anything like we all been in situationships we all been in those positions where the, the relationship is longer than it needs to be or i've been on a job where it's longer than it needs to be or whatever the situation is i don't i'm not here to judge you but let's figure out and let's unpack why we're still here right Whew. anybody else okay. is it do you get hotter in the room just like <laughs> you know it's just a little steamy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can you just go roll? Are you going to sip his tea? He goes, sip his tea, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but... Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I have a, I have a question. Um, Wait, Sendo, one second. How? Right before you ask that, I want to make sure I pull in Jordan. I saw Jordan just joined. Um, hey. Hi, Jordan. So, you know, you guys, you guys should just, like, be so grateful. Because, like, instead of giving you guys one... We gave you guys two today to come in here and talk to us. So, Jordan, thank you so so much for joining us. Um, Hakeem has been, like, basically dragging our lives um, <laughs> for the last hour. Um, but, like, so much, okay. so much truth, <laughs> so much, like, honesty. I think that's probably the biggest word that's come out, come out of that for me. And I think um, we wanted to obviously say, you know, welcome. Um Somebody says, are they offering free sex? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but slider Jordan, scale. I wanted to welcome Jordan into the conversation. Um, and before Sendo goes with her question, just if you could please go ahead and tell us, you know, we have listeners across the world, some who are not going to get to see your face um, because they're going to listen to this later in the week. Um, mm-hmm. But just like, where you're joining us from, who you are, what you do, and then we we'll go from there. 
Okay, um, I'm Jordan. I am joining you all from Atlanta, Georgia. I am a clinical mental health counselor or therapist, as some like to say. I work for Heal ATL as an adult teen and couple psychotherapist, so work with that wide spectrum of people. And I usually work with anxiety, depression, life transitions, um, any self-esteem issues that may be coming up, any racial trauma that may be coming up as well, especially now. Um, I love, love, love everyone. I love to work with everyone. My main focus is black and brown communities though, and my um, LGBTQ plus communities as well. So you can find me at healatl.com if you want, or naturally Joe, that's where I am as well. Thank you. Thank you. And we have a pretty sized community in Atlanta. I know some people um, on here are going to be thinking about hitting you up. So look out for that. Um, mm. some, let me let me not go and drag some people and be like, you guys should call her. Sendo, all right, go ahead with your question. Um, and we're going to sort of like tag team Jordan and Hakeem um, for the questions and, you know, more than likely get your perspective on the questions, um, your different perspectives and, and go from there. So Sendo, over to you. So my question is, how do you, we just talked about boundaries and how do you place boundaries um, as a friend? So if you have a friend who has a mental health issue, um, you know, might be you know very serious that they need drugs or just something that you know they can just sit down and talk through um but then you see that this friend doesn't want to necessarily take the steps to get that help or or they are getting that help but it seems like maybe they're not taking the advice you know things like that however like it is it is like since you're the closest person to them um you get like the bulk of the episodes. It's let's say you get the bulk of their episodes. How do you place boundaries on that for yourself? Because it's not like obviously you you understand and you recognize that your friend does need this help, but you yourself, you you have things going on as well. How do you put that boundary for yourself of still being there for them? Or like, do you just like move away? Like, what do you do in that in situations like that? Who do you want to start? Anyone, anyone, honestly. Pass, I mean, okay, anyone, feel free. Let Jordan go first. I'll go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so boundaries, 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 so important, um, especially when it does come to dealing with others that may be dealing with mental health issues. So the first thing that you want to do is to evaluate and make sure that your mental health is okay right now, because you're not going to be able to pour into their cup and help them if what's going on is stressing you out to the point where you're questioning yourself or you're like, I'm experiencing symptoms now. Um, so making sure you're even in that place to be able to help them. The most important thing, especially when dealing with others who may be dealing with mental health issues is the support, um, letting them know you're there for them, but also knowing for yourself that you're not a mental health professional. So there's but so much you can do 
that can help. You know, that's the most important thing to remember. We always feel this responsibility for others. And especially when we're close to them or especially when we see or feel like we may be the only ones that can help them. But the only one that can help them is not only mental health professionals, but themselves. So remembering that is going to be one of the most important things when setting those boundaries and doing in doing so you'll be able to tell yourself okay I do need to step away or it is my place to step in at this point and, and just to add to that um boundaries are very important because um if I don't have like Jordan was saying, the, the space or the capacity to help you, then I'm depleted, right? I'm just going off of zero. Um, so what I love to encourage people to do as like a being there, validating people's experience, but not actually taking on the task to help or taking on the role is saying like, wow, that's engaging in conversation, but at the same time saying, okay, so how are you going to handle that? Or how are you going to do that? Because so often is we take the conversation and we're like, okay, so we're gonna do this, that, and the third. And then they don't do this, that, or the third. And then we have unmet expectations like, yo, you still in that same situation? Then resentment starts to get kick in. And now the relationship is really strained when I don't necessarily need to take that on. How are you going to, how are you gonna handle that? Do you, how can I support you? And understanding that I can say yes and I can say no to certain things. A follow-up question that I wanted to ask both of you is I feel like I heard you both say that and I understand it. But like in like romantic relationships, like women don't want to hear that. Like, cause for the most for the most part, they think that you saying that is you shifting away from being present for them. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like it's almost like you say you like you saying <laughs> <laughs> women women, women hear that as like a, some women hear that as a that's a crazy dude you know the guy that's like that's crazy like you say oh, everything going on in your life and he's like wow that's real crazy like Lalu knows what I'm talking about but it's like just throw oh, them yeah. away but, but, but my thing is like sometimes you understand that like you are not in the space and like a lot of people have these savior savior complexes, right? Where it's like, I'm, I love you, so my job is to like pull you out of the water. And sometimes like that's not the case. Like sometimes it's just like, look, this is where you can get the help that you need. But like, how do you? I guess, how do you do that without like sounding like you're passing them off to like someone else? Like I don't know if that makes sense. Like you guys get my question? Like, I no, like I, I, I definitely I understand where you're coming from. Of they're your partner. So you're supposed to help them or save them or supposed to. That's the, that's the general road is supposed right. to. That's not what you're supposed to do in a relationship, though. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in a relationship with someone, it's a partnership, but you're not necessarily equipped with the task of saving them. And, you know, the best thing that you can do for your partner is just like Hakeem said, what are you going to do to change the situation? You know, it's all about how you speak with people. Mm. You don't ever want to be in a situation, of course, where you're with someone. If you care about them, you're not going to talk to them in a way anyway that is condescending. If you are, y'all probably don't need to be together to begin with. But, you know, you want to talk to them with love and care, but also let them know this is something you're going through and I'm going to support you. I'm going to be there for you as much as I can. 
how are you going to what what are you, what plans are you going to make what what do you want to do next what are your next steps because in a relationship if you're constantly worried about your partner saving you coming in and doing the work for you you'll never learn you'll always be it'll always be this codependent relationship and that's a whole nother topic of the <laughs> things that don't need to happen most definitely thank you yeah, you don't want to sound dismissive, but at the same time, you also want to have those boundaries of this is your life, this is my life. We're both a healthy relationship. Both parties are on their own healing journey, and we're just meeting in the middle. If it starts to bleed and spill over, then that's where codependency happens, and that's where unhealthy behaviors and things start to happen. And so how can we manage each other's expectations when it comes to that around, yes, I hear you, and and active listening looks more than just like, yo, that's crazy. So we know that, right? We, we know that. So we're actively listening, but at the end of it, I'm not taking on the task to make this happen. So how can I support you, but you do it? Right. Yeah. I think that's powerful to, to frame it that way. Cause like, I think after being, you know, personally, after being in relationships early on in my life, in my youth, um, where I know for a fact that I was just trying to save him. I know for a fact that I wasn't supposed to be there. I know. And like part of those issues from those relationships have now bled into like current or future situations or friendships where like now you're super hesitant. Like now the moment someone shows like a simple flaw, you're like, eh, I'm out. Cause like, you know, um, and it's understanding where that line is because like, you don't want to you don't want to lose yourself trying to help someone find themselves um because like then you both be lost just looking at and resenting each other for a detour in your life journey that you didn't need um you know so i think that's why that's part one of the reasons why i asked that question because i know and 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 particularly i asked it from you know my perspective as a man but like we can go into like the different like breakdowns of society and like black women have been putting black men together for centuries right and i think that more people need to actually be from that point of like i i i would love to hear more women i know and more of our listeners say to men how are you going to fix that <laughs> like versus like yeah i love you so you know i'm going to be an emotional punching bag while you figure this thing out um you know so i think like you know, definitely naming that for, for folks that are listening is like being able to like understand that you're not you're you're not helping yourself or that person like losing yourself trying to help them figure out who they want to be out of their own trauma um, and things like that because it's just it's just not gonna work. Um, yeah, Adrina, I see you had a question in the. I think you said Tashana had this question. Could you could you ask it? Because I I tried to read it but I couldn't get it. Okay, so I thought I she sent me the question privately, but I think she meant to, you know, send it publicly or whatever. Oh, okay, the okay. Was for Hakeem. Hakeem maybe was talking about um, I forget what point he was making. But I'm losing is, Adrena. Is that why you do solo self care days in order to? 
decompress. No, I got it. <laughs> can you, oh my god, can you hear me? Yeah, I got it. So Tashana is my sister, and so oh. I'm trying to throw a jab. She's showing. She's showing. That shade she's right throwing... there. Um, <laughs> yes, that's what that is. Um, I do random self care trips where I go by myself. I turn my phone off. I I do what I need to do in order for me to like get back together. And so she was throwing shade because I go on trips and don't invite her um, because I need to practice self care. Um, that's what that was. You know what? You know what? That's a that's nice privilege to have, Hakeem. Because you see, if I did that as a Nigerian man, people would think I was going to see my second family. Like that's literally what they would think was happening. Like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you going alone? <laughs> I remember going on the trip and not even like it's not like I didn't post anything. They were like, "Who you with?" <laughs> you know, it's like, why? Why is nobody? Else? Who's taking your pictures? My tripod and my remote control. What do you mean? Hey, yeah. Thank Bye. you. Like, you know who tried to convince us that trip she went to? A guy fucking bro. Went on a trip, self care or whatever. At a big Airbnb alone, it was beautiful, but that camera was dancing, Laulu. Laulu wasn't at. She was not at that trip by herself. She some some other human being. Completely by myself. Some other breathing entity was in that room. Laulu, we have two therapists here. This is a safe space. Just tell your truth. Just, okay, just this me... is a safe space. Why would y'all let me be honest with myself and just accept the fact that I like to go to places alone? Yes. Okay, sometimes I like to be luxurious by myself for a whole weekend. Please let that be safe Adrena for me. Says, Thank Adrena you very says, much. See what see what Tashana started. Um hey, just, you know what? I was not I was not gonna come for a sis, but you know what? Now I'm just like I didn't realize, Why did you have to bring that up to I didn't realize that was like shame. <laughs> I feel bad, Adrena. Adrena was trying to help. She's she's like, no, I put you on blast. Um, no, but I, I did want to ask this question. Like, and this is a general question for for everyone that's listening. Um, what is something that you do that may seem like self care, but it's actually low key toxic? That's a great question because I I just started seeing articles around toxic toxic positivity. Mm. So it's like how um, people and how do I want to say that? Because I don't want to throw a whole population under the bus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, uh, you just positive, constantly positive, but deep down, you don't really, you haven't bought into it, or you really, right. it's like fake it till you make it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I'm gonna have to think about that though. Is any? Do I we have any other? Me. Do we have any other? I just cut people off quickly. I I think what's self care to me that isn't really self care, but it's like half self care, is sleeping. You know, any little problem, any small inconvenience, guys, I'm not, you guys are laughing, but I'm so serious. I just, I go to sleep. Like, at a point, it got so bad that, like, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I'll take a sleeping pill just so I could not be awake. Just so I could not deal with the emotions that came with a certain experience. So I think, you know, and, like, I still dealt with the emotion later on. I just, you know, (laughs) 
did not deal with it at that very moment. Jordan, I think you you want to say something. Yeah, there's nothing. I would say there's nothing wrong with sleeping, but like you said, you were running away from your emotions. I think that's where that toxic self care comes in because the body needs rest. You know, we see people all the time on Twitter, Instagram, like team no sleep. If you sleep in, you're not getting to the money. That is a lie. Do not let them fool you. Please get some rest. But when you add in the aspect of I'm sleeping to do this or I'm sleeping to get away from this, then yeah, that that definitely isn't the best form of (laughs) self-care. Yeah. Oh, Adrena, do you want to do you want to speak on that a little bit? Well, Jordan, you haven't given your answer yet, but um, Adrena, do you want to speak on that? I'm going to come back to you. I don't know if Jordan has an answer just yet. Yeah. Oh, she's just um, putting the phrase. Okay. Go ahead, Jordan. uh, So my toxic self-care that I am working on, because, you know, if we can admit it, then we can work through it, Mm -hmm. um, is I like to spend money that I don't have (laughs) when when it is time when those feelings come in and I'm like, it's okay. I don't need to talk to that person. I can buy a Telfar bag because what buy the telfar bag hey, man. just don't worry about it was wait was the, the one bag. you wanted actually in stock because i did you... the um buyer program i did uh, so uh, it should pop up at my house sometime between december and january but uh, not the best form of self-care when there's other things to be paid now <laughs> definitely never to a point where it's okay rent or but yeah. um I think that's something that we do, especially, um, and I won't even say women, because I feel like we all do it, oh. where we're like, you know what, YOLO, I'm going to buy this, um, treat yourself, that is what we say, and we call it self-care when, <laughs> okay, what's that self-care when that car notes do, and it's like, I treated myself to a new bag, or to a dinner I couldn't afford, or this or that, so it's important to be able to recognize that. Mm. I think, uh, I, I, I think I'll go in then. Lalu, did you have one? Oh, you ready to go? No, you go. I'll go after you. I'll go All after right. you. I think mine is probably, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing. Almost to the point that it seems like I don't care about the thing. Um, and it's with good or bad things. Um, I recently got promoted at work and I was telling my best friend and like, she's like super excited and like jumping and it's like, Oh my God. Like, you know, and this is all like, this is, it should, I should have been more excited given the kind of 2020 that I've had in the sense that I got my dream job last August. I got laid off from my dream job in March due to the pandemic. I was out of work for, little and over 90 days and then i got what is better than my dream job and then within three months i was promoted of course like anybody should be excited and i was telling her and she was like and i and she was like she's you know bouncing around and i'm just like it's calm it's whatever it's like (laughs) and and it's not just for like good things it's also like when bad things happen i'm like it's fine like when I in 2016 I had a fire accident and my and lost almost everything I owned in my apartment and it was twenty five thousand dollars plus worth of damage and I remember the next day she was like 
you know, another friend was like, how are you doing? And I was like, it's life. It happens. But it doesn't, it's, it's not true because it doesn't just happen. And I wouldn't realize it till like much later when I'm like, oh no, I didn't process that. Like that didn't actually go away. Um, and so, like I said, for the good things and the bad things, like the good things, for example, like you lose your job, you get another job, you get promoted, you get a $20,000 bump and I'm driving in the car and I just start crying because of how happy I am. And I'm like, where the hell was this emotion three weeks ago? <laughs> like, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> now I'm at the traffic light, you know, bawling my eyes out. And this lady's like, uh, are you okay? <laughs> but I think that's definitely mine. I'm like, uh, something would happen. And I'm just like, I'm over it. It's fine. But usually really not. I'm just like trying to maybe not deal with the emotion or or seem vulnerable to someone but you know so and, so, and people would be like question. oh my god you move you move on from things pretty quickly i'm like no i don't um but yeah go ahead sender with that what's the line so i'm at a space now where like i'm trying to not allow an emotion restaurant for too long i'm not uh, i don't want to be angry for like a week or two you know so like i'm in a space now that you know when something happens i'm like you know what it's life it happens what's that line between like just allowing yourself to just like feel and like still like not letting it you know go forward because like like sammy said i feel like i'm on the road to be like it's life it happens because that's what i'm like that's my reaction to everything now because before I would be angry for a week and obviously that's not healthy to me. So what's, how can I like that? That takes so much that? energy to be angry for a week. I swear. I'm trying to imagine it what does. that feels like. I think I Jordan, think, Jordan, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think that is when you recognize that it's okay to process that emotion and it's okay to feel that anger. Um, giving a time limit on yourself and your body is just going to pressure yourself to try to suppress it faster. And so feeling everything freely and letting it come, if you're angry for a week, there's a reason you're angry for a week. So processing mm. what, what about this is keeping me this angry for this long? you know, and sometimes it's bigger than what that initial problem is. And so I know it's like, I don't know if that really answered the question of where's that line, because there really shouldn't be a line. There should be a, this is happening to me. I'm feeling it. I'm processing it. And next week I may still be processing it and it's okay, but I'm acknowledging that that's happening. I'm acknowledging where this anger is coming from or this sadness or this happiness, you know, I'm acknowledging where all of this is coming from so that as it keeps going forward and more situations like this come up, you're able to process it quicker and more efficiently and do it in a way that's a lot more healthier. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would just add um, giving yourself permission to feel because a long time we haven't given ourselves that permission to feel. And so a part of my response to, um, like what's toxic and but I'm thinking it's self-care is being a part of my defense mechanism is to cut people off very quickly (laughs) um but I'm not allowing myself to feel whatever is attached to that relationship I kind of just move on 
um, which is not a healthy response. I need to really process my emotions and see if the relationship has actually exhausted itself versus mm. me cutting it off before I even process anything. And so Jordan's absolutely right. Having a timeline isn't, it, it, it just, it's not going to serve anything or serve you. Um, but just understanding that I need to process my emotional experience and giving myself permission to feel. Processing your emotion, that's a different conversation of what that looks like and how that happens. Um, but it's important to process that emotion. I think, um, so I'm reading this book now, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I don't know if you guys have heard about the book or read about read the book. Um, so it talks a lot about, you know, just like manifestation in a very scientific way. But one thing it does talk about is just that like, oh, if you're you're angry now and it's a mood, if you're angry within a week or like a month, it's a temperament and then over years as a personality. So I think that's where like now I, for me anyway, I'm trying to like watch that and just not let it snowball into like that whole like personality or temperament. But I, like, I'm really grateful for telling me that, you know, you don't have to put a time limit on it. Cause now it's just like, okay, I'm sending you have to get, get over it right now, get over it right now. And then, then later on, I'm like, oh, I'm actually not over that, you know? Lalu, we didn't forget you. You think you're slick. You, you thought you were gonna like pass the question. You guys, toxic. you guys need to know Lalu's toxic trait is when we ask questions on the show. She always thinks we don't see her. She's trying to avoid that. Nope, 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 nope. Come Lalu front and center. Huh? <laughs> you love to avoid questions. <clears throat> that is not true. What? I ask questions. No, 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 no. It's not my fault if you you guys do not like the answers that I provide. That is not my fault. That's on you, not me. Sorry, it's above me. Okay, we're still waiting for you. Uh, we're waiting for your answer. Oh, my talks, my fake self care. It's honestly having my phone on do not disturb. I I don't even know the point of even paying my phone bill anymore because I really honestly just put my phone on do not disturb and people will call, text, email, all of that. And I'll just be like, I'm taking care of myself. This is my self-care time. <laughs> but really what it just is, is that I just don't want to talk to people and I don't want to tell them that I don't want to speak to them. And that's just what it is. And it's like a thing where it's just like, I know what people are going to say. I know where the conversation is going. And I just haven't, I just, I haven't developed the courage or the ability to really just tell them, hey, I don't have the mental space or the capital to have this conversation right now. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to tell them that. So I'll just put my phone on do not disturb. And if I miss their call, I'm like, well, it was never meant to be, <laughs> you know? I just, and they're like, why didn't you answer my calls? I was texting you this day and third. And I'm just always like, oh, I had my phone on do not disturb. It's a running thing amongst like my extended circle where they're just like, if they're in jail or if they need an emergency, Lalo is the last person they will call or text. Like they will not use their free jail call on me because most likely my phone will be on do not disturb. And it's just so bad because half the time it's just, I just need to just tell them, Hey, I get it. You want to talk about homeboy that you've broken up with five times. I don't really want to talk about that. The end. And it's just really having those conversations where it's just like, or it's just like, I'm busy. I have work to do. I can't have, I can't talk to you about this right now. And it's a fake self-care thing where I'm just like, 
do not disturb mode is on self-care life. <laughs> That's really not true. It's just have those difficult conversations and they're not that difficult. People should be able to respect those boundaries and people should be able to respect that, hey, this person just can't talk about it right now. And yeah, that's my fake self-care. So now I have spilled my tea on this podcast and people are going to come for me for it, but it's okay. Sendo, it's okay. I mean, at least we can, we know why Laulu doesn't respond <laughs> in the group chat when we text her because we are... You know, I mean... I'm grateful you said this because now I wouldn't come for you as much. But like when I do come for you, you just know I'm I'm gonna come fully, you know, full force. Just, it's just okay. Say. I'll respond eight hours later or two to three business days later. It's okay. This is it's a okay. fact. It's this fine. is a thing. Laulu will respond two days later or not respond at all, and then the next week I should be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, true. Wow. Um, I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. And okay. I'll just like jump into the conversation like I did not miss that part. Like the two, three days that went by did not happen. I was just like, oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. And everyone's just like, oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Bad, bad, I actually, bad. see, I do that. I wish people gave me the. You do the same thing. Re- too, relax. So relax. He's trying to drag me here. Relax. You do the exact I do so, it. I mean, you still haven't responded because... to my text. I do it because I plan to respond, but then it's three days later. (laughs) Like it happens. Is that it? You know, sometimes I schedule. Sometimes I schedule a response. You know, I wish there was a way to do that. I wish there was a way to tell your phone, "Hey Siri, text Laulu back at nine p.m." Oh shit. Siri actually. You're not like you just Siri actually started responding. I knew she was gonna wake up. She's so nosy. (laughs) No, I wish there was a way to do that because like sometimes I forget. I'll be like, Oh, I'm gonna respond. And then this doesn't happen to anyone else. Like I'd be like, I'm gonna respond and then I look up and it's like next year. Like it happens. You know, who are we going to blame for that? You know, time and then the is person, all a social The person texts construct. you back like, it's wow, okay. you didn't respond. You know? And I'd be like, I thought I was going to. My thing is just, well, you're seeing the response now. What do you want me to do? Go back in time? Are you going to respond or are you not going to respond? Are we going to sit on this? Like, you're wasting time. Now I'm going to have to respond to you next month because I don't want to deal with this. This energy right now, I'm not here for it. And then they're like, well, Lalo doesn't respond to messages. I'm like, I don't want your negative energy when I do respond, you know? Just accept it with grace and class and just keep it going. I wish I shut up your mouth. I don't know. I don't know if Adrena uh, is talking to us or talking to someone, but I saw Adrena's. I move on well when I cut someone off. Can, how do oh, y'all wow. do that? Cause like, cause I don't be. I walk around this. I just. I don't. I either don't let them get close to begin with, but like when they're <laughs> close, close, it's just hard to be like. So me, is your therapist is it there are you being honest with your therapist because this wow. is a lot this is like a this is just, I'm, you know I'm that's a very toxic city. trait a lot of people have I'm that's a, it's a safe space people lie to their therapists it's okay to admit it here i actually don't and lie i don't lie in ther- i've never lied <laughs> like, I don't think oh, I've yeah. ever, <laughs> no i don't think i've ever lied in therapy i lied to myself more than I would lie to somebody else i was gonna say i feel like people lie to themselves in therapy mm. And then yeah. that comes off as a lie because yeah. then later you're telling your therapist something and we're like, hold on. 
you said two weeks ago and they're like <laughs> did i really say that i didn't say that you said but, it i mean i try i try to um no i try to be pretty honest therapy first of all therapy is not cheap that's not the place to be lying <laughs> okay i can lie to you on the phone because that shit is free and i'll call you back tomorrow and do it again uh... but I'm not saying okay. that. I, I'm not saying that I lie to you. Okay. Huh? Is that not it? You see, you see, this is this is Nigerian woman right here. Um, hmm. but, but yeah, we're smart. We connect the dots. You know, that's just what happens. But no. So I was gonna ask this right, and for both, <laughs> she said the dots. Um, for Jordan and Hakeem, right? Let's let's talk about this for a second. How have you ever had clients that? came up and you were like yeah i'm not i can't do that oh that's a good Ooh. question that's like they what they have going on yeah or or just like you're like yeah this is not it for where i'm at right now this can't work you want to go hakeem <laughs> well you're saying like working with someone and you're like no i can't take this client on mm-hmm. type of um yes um I, I and because i have a private practice i can do that um, and I think, I think it's, it's best to do that, knowing that I can't provide the space for you. Let mm. me refer you to someone else mm. because that's ultimately going to be a disservice to you and the, the quality work that we're going to do together. If I feel like I can't, like you need someone else or, and I, I've, I've done that, but I have a, a list of therapists that I'll make a referral to that. I'm not just going to leave you high and dry. I'm going to say, I, I'm not going to be able to work with you, but let's connect to another therapist because you're on your journey and to reach out to a therapist is a big step. And so I want you to know that, but also know that we can connect to someone else. It might not be me, but (laughs) let's let's get you connected. It ain't going to be me, but (laughs) yeah, I, I definitely agree with Hakeem. I'm still considered a baby therapist. So I just finished my program in August, but I'm working at a private practice. So I have that leeway as well to say, no, we, don't fit. But during my internship, I worked in a very small clinic in East Alabama, which y'all can only imagine um, how that may have been for me. Um, And there were multiple times that I had to work with individuals that were just racist, you know. And one of the most important things that I learned throughout my program was I'm a um, a counselor, but I'm a person first. Mm. And so if I'm working with someone and, you know, there are going to be people that you may not like their personality, but it doesn't mean you can't help them. But then there are going to be people who blatantly disrespect you as a human. It is okay to refer them out. It is okay that you can't work with them. And so, you know, therapists break up with people too. I tell people all the time to break up with your therapist, but therapists can also break up with you if it's just not serving anyone because, I had a um, supervisor during the time and I've talked about this before, so it's fine, but I've had a supervisor during this time who was also racist and was very much adamant on me working with clients who did not value me as a human. And it was just one time I had to get right with her and just tell her, you know, this isn't going to work and I'm not going to subject myself to this. You know, nobody is benefiting from this I'm uncomfortable in sessions they're uncomfortable in sessions and they're projecting on me so I'm not working with them and granted it doesn't have to be that big of a thing for you not to have to work with someone or not want to work with someone but 
you know, it's important that as a therapist, you know who you can and cannot work with as well as your own boundaries and limits. That's like, and also to add to that, uh, I, I think it's important for the client to know that this is, if this is a good relationship or not. So yeah. when you're out looking for a therapist and you have that initial consult or that initial appointment and you're like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. That's okay. Yes. And like, keep it moving. Like, I think it's important to know if you're going to be able to have a safe space and build a relationship with someone, because like you said, it's not cheap, but it's also the most vulnerable, uh, sometimes the most vulnerable relationship that you have. And so I want to maximize this time. And so if the client is like, you yeah, know, this isn't going to work, that's okay too. Like that, mm-hmm. I tell people like Jordan said, break up with your therapist or tell the therapist like, no, can you refer me to somebody else type mm-hmm. of thing? Because that's, and make that okay. Let's normalize that. That's okay. I actually think that's like, and I think that's actually modeling like healthy dynamics and relationships of like, this is not working for me, being able to spot that it's not working and be able to walk away. Um, Cause oftentimes like I, I mentioned this earlier, like we just sit and suffer in silence because we think that that's the noble thing to do. There's no nobility in suffering. <laughs> like just, just put that out there. And I think as, as, you know, people as a generation, as uh, a population of people, as black people, we've suffered enough that we don't need to, like, sort of put ourselves through that any longer. Um, and, yeah, like, just loving yourself and loving other people should not be hard and it should not be painful. So sometimes it's got to be goodbye. <laughs> like, I'm not, I can't do that. Um, but, Jordan, I just wanted to name that. You know, thank you so much for sharing that. But like East Alabama, props to you. Like, <laughs> shout out hot. to you. <laughs> no, look, look, there's some states that I hear and I'm just like, yeah, that's a no from me. I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. Being from Atlanta, like I'm I forget sometimes I'm in Georgia, like I'm in the deep south mm-hmm. because Atlanta's its own culture and it's its own place yeah. and it's this own like mecca of blackness. And so going outside of it, even 40 miles either way, you're at a whole new place. And yeah. so being like learning to be a therapist, my program was phenomenal. And I had a lot of support through there. And, you know, we made sure that we were working with populations that were um, being left behind, especially in mental health. But when I was actually in those populations, it was a whole different story. So, you know, it taught me a lot and it also helped me narrow down of who I want to work with. And as a therapist, being in private practice, I can say, and I advertise myself of these are the populations I want to work with. And these are the populations I want to advocate for. Um, of course, I will work with anyone. I love all people, but I know that these are the populations that need the most help and that I know that I can relate to and can help heal the best, the most. Yeah. How how do you both handle that, like, outwardly and, like, proudly naming that you are here and want to be here for black and brown communities? Like, it almost feels like there's, like, a reverse, like, unfairness to, like, black people or, like, black professionals that want to create this space. I'm blanking on the name of this company right now. Lalu, maybe you might be able to remember. There's a woman that people went on her Yelp page to like write negative reviews because she said she was here for black folks 
Oh, the uh, hair lady at Target? Yeah. And oh, like, my gosh. But, like, how do honey you guys... Pot. Honey... Yeah, yeah, there we go. How do you guys, like, handle that? Like, I know, like, we need the space. And, and like, we, we need to gravitate more to folks that create that space for us. Because oftentimes, for so long, we've been in spaces where we're just, like, being tolerated. Um... So how do you like navigate that? Like, have you ever like have you felt pushback on like people being like, you should be serving everyone? Like, why do you proudly shout that you're serving black and brown communities? I think for me, um, education. So telling why I serve black and brown people, and uh, part of my like training platform, I talk about decolonizing mental health. And a part of that is being unconventional. And so my approach to therapy is not your average therapist, their approach. And so um, I need to do that to cater to my target audience, which are black and brown people. Um, And so if you have an offense to that, let's have a conversation where I can educate you on why. History is history. We know that. We know that there's a mistrust when it comes to healthcare. We know that access to care is a challenge. We know that like, these are all facts. And so if I can be an added value to my community, why are you bothered by that? Why are you offended um, by me trying to aid and add value to the community that has been underserved for a long time? Awesome. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with Hakeem of, you know, as a mental health professional, as a black mental health professional, there's not a lot of us, you know, um, in my cohort, there were, I think, 23 of us in total, there were only five that were black and none that were black males at that. And so it's important that we do stand firm in the fact that this is the populations that we want to serve. You know, I became a mental health professional and I'm sure a lot of other black mental health professionals can relate to help the black community. Because when I went to therapy for the first time at 14, my therapist wasn't black. She couldn't relate to me. You know, she could give me, she was helpful. She was a wonderful woman, but there was so much that was still lacking. And so it's so important that you see faces that look like ours and are creating these spaces for healing so that we can heal. There's so much history-wise, like Hakeem said, there's so much history-wise of why we mistrust mental health professionals and, per- and medical professionals in general. So it's up to us to destigmatize that. And if someone has a problem with that, then that's on them. That's not on me. You know, there's but so many of us. So if there's a problem that I, as a, as a Black person, want to serve other Black people, when there's not that many Black professionals, Black mental health professionals, that's something that you need to talk to a therapist about because that has nothing to do with me. That's your projecting. That's you having a problem with us getting further and advancing with things that we've been dealing with trauma for years and centuries. So, you know, it, it was never a problem for me. And like I said, I work with anyone, you know, I love all the people, but when I look at who needs the most help and who needs a face that looks like mine, it's my people. So I'm always right with that. Yeah. And representation matters, right? So mm-hmm. when it comes to Black men, who out there is that representation when it comes to talking about emotions and mental health and all of these things? Um, and it wasn't an easy conversation for me. Like this, I think I, think I got 
connected to a community where that's what we talked about. We have a, a black wellness studio here, a yoga studio that's catered to black and brown people. And I think having these conversations on the side helped me develop an elevator speech where I'm, I'm confident in saying, yeah, this is who I serve because I didn't want to offend the other community. Right. But how, why would I sacrifice that when we're always offended, right? We're always, um, you know, underserved and, you know, all those things. And so why fall into that same narrative when I'm trying to rewrite the narrative? Um, one question that I wanted to ask both of you is what is the most awkward question somebody has ever asked you in your professional space? I don't know if I have one off the top of my head, um, because it, it you run the gamut of questions <laughs> when it comes to therapy and so I think I've, I don't, I don't know. I think working in, um, when I was working in HIV, I, I think getting hit on was, uh, different for me. I didn't know how to respond <laughs> to that. And I had other, um, women coworkers and they're like, we get cat calls all the time. Like you better suck it up and go out there and do what you got to do. Um, but that was my first introduction working with my community, LGBTQ, but they would, you would get hit on all the time. And, I just didn't know how to respond to that because that wasn't the case when I was younger or um, working in as a case manager. But when I started working it with my people, you know, it was it was very interesting, and I had to suck it up because it was like, no, this happens all the time. Like you, you're not special, kid. Like <laughs> get out there. <laughs> Jordan, how about you? Um, I think very similar of the hitting on. Um, I'm trying to think. I've never really had necessarily a question. I've had situations where I've been like, what is going on? Um, had someone write me a letter before that was just very detailed of a lot of just stuff that I had no idea had been working with them for months. Um, in my internship site and I had to read it in front of them. So that was a situation where I was just like, okay, I kind of want to go home now. Um, and it was disturbing. So in the, in it, it pinpointed how I reminded them of their ex. And so things like that happen where you're kind of like, you just kind of got to laugh through it, but also call it out because you're like, okay, please don't do that. And just reiterate that this is a therapeutic relationship. And, you know, if boundaries are going to be crossed, then we need to talk about that because maybe we don't need to work together. Yeah. I just, I just want to know, like, I just hope both of you can see Sendo and that's like, See if you've ever had any clients that show up to their therapy sessions like that. <laughs> the way she's with her hoodie on. She's just like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> That's the reason. Really question, though. Like, have you had, like, clients like that, but then, like, gotten through to them? Like, had, had them comfortable enough to just, like, say, okay, well... You know, like just like really break down that barrier, and how 
how how that was for you in regards to like how difficult that was or you know those are usually my favorite clients um in the end like once you get past that barrier um because it shows that there's this trust and as a therapist you know you get satisfaction in knowing like I'm doing the work that I need to do that they trust me enough and you tell your clients that you know therapy going to therapy is hard and so you're breaking down barriers and walls that have been set in place for years, for months, however long. And you're trusting me with that. Like, that's an honor. Like, you know, I treat every therapy session as a sacred thing because it is like, you're literally spilling your whole life and what is going through your mind, things that you may have never told anyone before. And you're sharing that with me. Like that is an honor. So, you know, it's hard to get through to some of those clients, but it's so rewarding at the same time. Yeah, I, I agree with Jordan. Like those are my favorite uh, people. It's like, I know you hate me now, but keep coming. Um, and they, most of them were mandated. So they have to be there. So that's like, uh, I really don't want to be here, but they, <laughs> there's no engagement at all. And so just being consistent, I think, um, and being creative. So the the populations that I would say like I have the most fun with um, or had the most fun with was group therapy with black men. And then another um, a agency where I had to, I was working with people who are on parole mandated for domestic violence. They were deemed as the batterer. And so I couldn't use the word therapy. I couldn't use the word therapist. I had to be very creative in my approach about talking about relationships and emotions. So it helped me kind of use different language and hone that skill. Um, but after a while, hearing black men talk about their emotions and talk about their relationships is beautiful because that's not something that, in a space, is not something that happens all the time. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> I actually, I never was like a, a therapist, but working in mental health, I had clients that you know, I would show up on, on day one, pick them up from school. And I had teenage boys. Um, and these are teenage boys that either a probation officer or a social worker has told him, like, hey, if you work with Addy and this doesn't work in six months, we're taking you from your family. So you can imagine the kind of environment I'm walking into. They're like, uh, and I remember the first, it must have been um, maybe a three months into working with this um with this client and i showed up to his house he had he used he used to have um half day on friday and i showed up but this he loved to watch sonic and just listen to music but he had an hour and 45 minutes before his brother got home his younger brother who would then obviously clog up the space right so i'm thinking oh half day he wants to meet with me knock it out so he can go about his business, not knowing that that window was when I was coming in, interrupting his private time. And I show up and this kid pulls a sword, a samurai sword on me. And one of the things they told us in training was run with confidence whenever <laughs> you're in situations like that. <laughs> I did not think about running because I was like, I was like, this was not in the manual. <laughs> this is <laughs> I was like, nobody told me this. this is, and I'm just standing there like, is this how I go out? <laughs> just like, 
<laughs> oh man. No, but I think um Nah, I think oh man, it's it's somebody somebody asked me once if I would go back. I think I probably I don't think I would go back, but I definitely want to create the space because, like, these conversations we're having, like, they're beautiful and they're helpful. And I think a lot of our listeners, we, we, we sort of gain a lot from it. But I, I can't help but think about our listeners in Nigeria and, like, understanding, like, the facilities and the resources are just not there for them. Like, they're, like I know kids that are, like, you know, <clears throat> listening to, you know, getting a kid evaluated here to find out if they were dyslexic. I know kids that I went to school with that were dyslexic and they failed them out of school because they thought you're just slow or you just don't want to do it. You're just lazy. Um, so I definitely want to be part of the conversation back, you know, on the continent to get the resources for people and for families to be educated about the things and the needs of these kids versus like, just like, you know, um, just putting them in a box and saying, hey, you know, you didn't pass standardized testing, so you're getting shipped off um, or you're wasting all our money. <laughs> um, you know, so I think, like, there's a, there's definitely, like, more that all of us can do as we're, like, equipped. Sometimes it's just having the conversations with your, like, your aunt and your uncle and saying, hey, give the space for this kid or yourself. Um, I remember when I was talking to my parents about, or my mom about, like, therapy and telling her about, like, counter transference and things and she's like what's that and then years later she's the one using it like i need to take self-care i need to i need to <laughs> process my emotions i'm like oh do you now like you know so i think like for all of us like in many ways like unfortunately like we're in positions of like therapists for our extended families and i think like understanding that we don't need to have that burden on us but also like kind of adding a little bit to their journey and letting them like kind of lead them in the direction that they need to get to. Um, so years later, you know, whenever their, their journey gets to its, it's you know, m- match. M- what's the word? Not before I use the wrong word now. Um, maturation. By the time it gets to maturation, I was going to say a place of maturity, but you know, I appreciate you giving Is maturation even a word? I Bruh. don't think so. Bruh, that's not a word. <laughs> it's, it is a word. It is a word. Maturation. That, yeah. yeah. I think it's a word. That's a, that's a word. Oh, never mind. Dang, I'm smart. Wow. That's Lala's shit. I'm so smart. See, do you see what we deal with, guys? This is just, this Thank woman you. is special. Um, but nah, I think I think that's that's definitely like super valuable. I wanted to throw it to the chat right quick. Anybody have any questions that they wanted to get out um, to Jordan and to Hakeem as we wrap up here? Before we let you guys go, actually, we're going to come back to Hakeem. But Jordan, we asked Hakeem this question earlier. The first question for you is, what is that meal that you have zero portion control? It doesn't matter. You're just going to stuff your face so you can't eat any more of it. Uh, this is hard because I like food. Um, <laughs> and you I, live in Atlanta? Exactly. <laughs> like, there's so many places. Um, I, I'm so excited for next week. <sighs> uh, Juicy Crab has been, like, my... I don't know if y'all oh. have that out there. I love Juicy Crab so much. Um... I could eat. It's like a crab boil bag. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, there are other places in Atlanta that 
hit 10 times better but it's just something about that juicy special sauce where i need the boiled eggs the corn the potato the shrimp no heads pound a half like i need that am i the only one that's hungry now because i know i'm like okay i'm about to eat after this (laughs) (laughs) but that and i don't know everything all food everything i don't know (laughs) i could just go for days I think I think one of the reasons why Sandra, what's that thing for you again? What food I would <laughs> <laughs> Why do you look like that? Why are you moving know. like why is Sendo moving like she's high? You just you're, Honestly, acting, you're yeah. acting like you're high right now. It's really high on life. I'm really just relaxed, so I don't I don't do all of that. But um so one thing I'm really into right now is spicy galbi it's a korean dish i don't know if you guys like yeah 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 there's this place welcome to the life there's this place close to me and i promise you they've probably just taken like over 500 dollars from me (laughs) because i keep ordering there okay it's so good for some weird reason and i'm nigerian i i wasn't didn't teach us how to eat without stew on top of rice so like i never used to eat like white rice like that but but after that galbi i don't know like just the galbi separately and then the white rice that specific rice i don't know what they put in it but i can just eat that white rice alone <laughs> for some reason but that's what i'll eat spicy galbi. okay um okay so before we let you guys go um oh lalu did you want to answer the question you gotta. Lalu eats everything. I know she. she, she Lalu it. has a whole platform Honestly. called Girl versus Food. So like, she's just she's the girl versus all of the food. Yeah. Um, that's literally. Yeah. What Honestly, but actually though, yes. So, um, yeah, it's okay. not. It's it's a. So, next week is Thanksgiving. Hakeem and Jordan, do you guys celebrate Thanksgiving? Yes. I have games, 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 I, okay. Games. Um. <laughs> Didn't that didn't that woman die? That's not her. Oh. Right? It wasn't her, right? Daddy. No, no, oh not Shirley. No, no. Oh, so, what's the name of the guy? Like, it was <laughs> Lord. Do we have a breakout session? Do your research, Sammy, please. No, there's another guy. There's another die. There's another guy. Rance Allen. That there. See, I was. I was in the vicinity. Uh, I was in the. I was in the building. I wasn't on the, on the altar. Like, when I was yeah. in the- <laughs> like outside, a little bit. Um, you were in the other state. Okay. So, so we talked. We talked to Hakeem earlier about you know what Thanksgiving looks like for him. And mm-hmm. so, Jordan, what does that look like for you? What does next week look like for you? Are you? Do you have any like plans? Are you cooking? Are you hanging out with family in the middle of a pandemic since nobody can do that and it sucks? Yeah. <laughs> Well, as as y'all see, Atlanta has been live and open this whole time. I have stayed inside because no, ma'am, no, sir, not at all by COVID. (laughs) Um, But I, my little pod, my family, we are doing, I think, a little dinner at my sister's house. And we always, we usually get together with the whole family. Um, My mother has four brothers. And so growing up, we was, we were always, always together, like, random barbecues all the holidays um so this year looks different for us so it's just going to be 
me, my mother, my siblings, and my nephews, my brother-in-law. Um, I think his family, possibly his mother stays in the house. So we're like, okay, you're COVID free. Um, but it usually just looks like a big meal. I'm the baker now. My grandma has gifted me that title, which is Southern households. That is a huge thing. I am now the pound cake maker. So I might wear like a crown that says, (laughs) um, so I'll be making the desserts and probably helping with the other foods. I love to cook. So that's what I'll be doing. You know, I feel like a fraud because like the thing I like the most during Thanksgiving is to get apple pie and ice cream. That's literally it. No turkey. No, I eat it, but like the thing I'm most excited <laughs> about is the apple pie and the ice cream. Understandable. The and sweets. Nobody should be mad at me, but last year I cooked an entire Thanksgiving spread and didn't eat it. <laughs> I spent all day cooking and I took pictures of all the food and I just sat on the floor in the living room and just ate my apple pie and my ice cream. And I was by myself. So I had to then call all my friends. I'm like, do you need food? Come over and take some of it. <laughs> like, um, okay, so before we leave, um, Hakeem and Jordan, thank you both for being here. We really appreciate it. I think um, the conversation has obviously been phenomenal. I think our listeners um, are just, yeah. I mean, you've seen the chat and the comments that they've um, they sent in. Um, but if you could leave us with, one thing each like what would that be um it could be something personal professional something thoughtful it could be you know it's just vibes <laughs> like whatever what would you what would you like to leave us with i just love how both of you yeah, are like I'll, don't all talk at once she, no she gave me the look so I'll she, go. Did, she definitely I'll was go. like yeah, she she gave it to me. <laughs> um, I think the the important thing is to allow yourself to feel, right? Whether you engage with a therapist right now or somewhere in the future, allow yourself to feel because for so long we were robbed of that that ability and that permission and that agency. And so emotions are not our enemy. They're actually messages to tell us and lead us to something else to look at something else is going on. Just like physical pain tells us, hey, you have a pain in your knee, let's check this out. Emotions do the same thing for our hearts and for you know an emotional experience. And so allowing yourself to feel will allow yourself to process and allow yourself to grow. For so long we suppressed and we repressed, um, but giving yourself that permission can help tremendously. Thank that was you, good. This is hard. Um, okay. I would definitely say always go after your purpose. Um, something that I stand firmly on and has also guided me throughout my career, even to the how I got to being a therapist was me taking a leap of faith, deciding halfway through my senior year, I don't want to do business. I want to help people in a different way and I want to be a therapist. Um is that you too? You did that too? I said the same thing. I started out as business and ended up getting a D in math and was like, nope, this ain't it. <laughs> this ain't it. This is not it. Um, but no, it's so important, especially as um, Black people that we 
we put joy first and we put ourselves first. And we know that it may not look conventional the way that we're getting to our purpose, but that it is full and it is deliberate and that we need to walk in those steps because a lot of times we're told that our joy should be conditional and that's not true. You know, do what makes you happy, follow that passion, whatever that may look like. It may not be you necessarily, you know, in a bins um, at 25, um, living in a penthouse, but that may be you at 30 because you followed your passion and there was so much that came with that journey as well. So that is what I have to leave because I'm still learning that. And it's been the best advice that I've been given. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's me claiming Amen. my Benz. That that's claiming me Benz and, and, and penthouse at, at 30, which is in a month and a half. Thank you. Manifest Jesus. it. Thank manifest you. it. <laughs> um, well, we wanted to say a big thank you to both of you for hanging out with us. Um, so great. We really appreciate you both. Thank you. Um, to all of the ranters and our listeners across the world, we appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for shout out to Podcast Gang. Um, you know, everyone that downloads iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Audio Mac, everywhere. We appreciate you guys. Run it up this week when you're listening to it. I know you guys would get to this point when you listen to it during the week. So when you hear this, um, you know, go on Twitter, use the hashtag, let us know um that you know you were listening and what you sort of what you gained and took away from today's episode and sometimes you know it's just vibes it's just listening right um i wanted to stress again next week is our thankful episode for those of you that do not know um or started listening to the show in the last year it is probably the most emotional episode for me i'm going to try not to cry at the end of that episode um but typically, all our listeners, um, feel free to send us to this email. Feel free to send us a voice note. Try as much as possible to keep it to a minute and a minute and a half or a minute and a half. Just tell us what you're thankful for. Um, tell us what you're thankful for this year. Thankful for in your life, in your family, in your, in your, with your job. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Sometimes, look, for a lot of people, I'm telling you right now, what you're thankful for is that you're still alive in 2020. Like that's literally it. And and that's okay. Um, but yeah, we, you know, send them all in, um, by the end of this week and I will compile them and you would hear the, like the, the voices of the listener, our listeners from all over the world, from Australia, Gabon, Egypt, Nigeria, the United States, um, everything sort of next week on next week's episode. Is that Jeremiah? Um, yes. hi Jeremiah. Um, hi Jeremiah. On next week's Thank episode, you. what's popping? Oh, handsome you. young man. Um, oh. yeah. So feel free to go ahead and send that in. Um, I will be following up with some of you that have already sent yours in as well. Um, and then before sort of we get to next week, COVID cases are going up across the country, guys, um, especially in the United States. I know those of you in Africa, you guys are moving. Nigeria, you guys are moving like you guys don't have a pandemic. That's fine. But those of you that in America, stay in your, stay in your house, okay? Stay in your house. Uh, wash your hands. You know, you don't, if you don't need to go out, don't go out. Um, but, yeah, we're super grateful to have you guys. Super grateful for our guests today. Thank you guys for being here. Um, before we let you go, can you let people know where they can see you? And Hakeem, a question came in for you privately asking, do you take virtual clients? 
Yes, I do. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, or you can find me on my website. My Instagram is my personal one is Mr. at Mr. Esquire underscore. You can find me also at Beyond Living Services, Facebook Beyond Living uh, website, www.beyondlivingservices.com. And there you'll find my contact information. You can send a message straight right through the, the website or my email address will be there as well. Thank you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at naturallyjoe underscore. Um, you can also find me at the Mind Over Matter podcast, um, which is a passion project that I have with one of my colleagues where we talk as young Black therapists and our experiences. Um, you can also find me at www.hillatl.com backslash Jordan Beckham or www.naturally-joe.com. Thank you all. Laulu at Life on a Banjo. Sendo at Cam Sendo. I don't know why she keeps trying to look like a road man um, in London, but it's okay. She's out here in her full tracksuit. Um, follow The Rants Show at The Rants Show on all social media platforms. This episode will be live on Wednesday um, for you to download, listen, share. Until then, until next week, ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourself. Keep your head up, stay out of trouble. It's been a pleasure as always, and good night. Good night. Good night. We hope you just enjoyed this What the Heck by production of The Rant Show. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Live weekly updates can also be found on our Twitter and Instagram pages. Till next time, stay up.